Welcome to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast with me, Bradley Skeynes. And me, Matthew Murray-Downing. This podcast is all things Formula One and sports performance, fitness, health, and injury. We will be discussing the physical and mental components of Formula One, the drivers, and every circuit race by race as the season goes on, broken up with insight and knowledge in how to train, recover, and rehab like an elite level athlete. And we'll even bring along some special guests for the ride. For more information, you can find us at Elite Formula PT on socials. Hello, and welcome back to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast. And we've, we've got a super special edition today because me and Matt are actually sitting in the same room. <laughs> That's been a while. <laughs> How are you doing, Matt? You all right? Yeah, good. Back in clinic room as well. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, well, pretty much where it all began. But um, yeah, it's crazy that our diaries have finally aligned for the first time in, what, three months since yeah. we put last in the podcast? actually together yeah it would have been yeah it would have been at your house yeah it was the last time we did it crazy yeah and i think that was before like well i don't even know miami maybe or yeah it would have been yeah pre-miami yeah even earlier than that decent and we're still winning races so we can be uh we can be happy with that uh i think since miami we've uh we've we've won them all now yeah i was gonna say you're on a nice clean street now yeah it's brilliant is that 12 13 uh, for, for the for the team, so for Red Bull, we've won twelve in a row, setting yeah. a new a new record. Yeah, record breakers as it's been termed a lot this week after Lando uh, decided to smash, smash the. It, to uh, bits. <laughs> it was in bits as well, so the bottom came off, but the top it was the worst, like the the lid, which was kind of stuck to the trophy, but the top it was just it was in pieces. Like I was picking pieces off so that I didn't cut myself. I actually did cut myself on the on the trophy. So cheers for that, Lando. But yeah, the top it was, ah, it's, it's done. <laughs> oh dear. So uh, Budapest, Hungary Grand Prix, another win. You know, a lot was made of maybe there being an interesting start, and it was kind of cool going into turn one, but not probably not as competitive as as maybe uh, everybody thought. What, what, what was your take on the race? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was interesting. And I say the weather was kind of as predicted, a little bit up and down. So yeah, no, it was an interesting race. I the results wise, quite a mix up. It was interesting to see. Mm. I mean, McLaren obviously stepped right up again. Max was just consistent again. You know, and it, it sparked a lot of conversation around again. You know, the car and whatnot. But actually, I think it just shows you actually that level of focus and and being on it. You know, they're both in the same car and he's, he's driving it really well. But again, credit to Perez. got himself on the podium from a tricky position. Uh, again this weekend drove really well um, but yeah no, I think it was a great race all round it always delivers I thought there were some good overtakes but yeah perhaps not as much drama initially as I thought there might have been but as a whole no again a good, another good weekend of racing yeah it was a nice uh, nice clean race I, I was certainly sat there once, once Max got the lead and I broke the DRS it's kind of like, okay everyone just stay nice and calm now got a flight home to make <laughs> no dramas and, and and there was some like you say some good overtakes a bit further down the the, the pack but um but yeah uh, other than that and and again it's a track that's that's pretty bumpy so you know a few little feelings lower back heels of of the feet from from drivers and having you know done 70 laps on on that track it's quite a long race um hungry um, but uh, but yeah, other than that, went by without too much uh, instance, which is uh, always nice for, for us sitting on the sidelines, hoping that nothing goes horribly wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It was really interesting, actually. I saw a stat yesterday, I think I liked on Instagram, that was again, it was again looking at even slightly behind the scenes and talking about performance, which was again, 
Red Bull pit crew again and and and, and uh, pit stop times, which again incredibly consistent again. I think Perez had the, the record stop just under two seconds. Yeah, 1.9 uh, seconds those yeah. boys changed those tyres. Yeah, and again, I think it just shows that the consistency of fitness and performance through the team and again, the difference that makes. Like we all know, you know, people outside of Formula 1 might look at it and go, it's only a second here or there, but actually a second's huge, you know, and it makes such a big difference. And, you know, the drivers are fighting to be a second ahead. So actually to take a second in the pit lane, it's a huge advantage. So again, again, credit to Red Bull on that. But um, yeah, kind of shows, again, interesting to look through the teams and see who are consistently kind of nailing those times week in, week out. Yeah, and there, and there is more variability in it now as well because of the like uh, new manual way that you have to release the car. It can be two seconds or it can be 2.8, 2.9. And as you said, a, a second could be the difference when cars behind are quite close. It could be a, a difference of one or two places, which is you know a difference of points and cash and means uh, means a lot to the team so yeah wow those boys fantastic 1.9 seconds and I'd be surprised if that got beat uh, yeah. beat this year in, unless they put it out again yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly that and, and, we'll, and we'll see because we're off to uh, Belgium now so um, yes back in the UK for a couple of days but short lived heading to Belgium tomorrow Um a a real driver's track. The drivers love Spa. I know it's Max's favorite uh, favorite track. He loves to drive it. Uh, why is that? Yeah, it's a good question, really. I, I I tried to delve into this a little bit the other week. I was at Spa two three weeks ago now. Again, chatting to drivers about why it's an I- I- iconic race circuit. Now, as a track, it's an extremely long track. It, it's nineteen corners. It's about seven kilometers bang on in length. And it, again, has a lot of technicalities to it. It's a pretty long track in the sense that we have a couple of really long straights. So generally, there's a fairly low downforce setup compared to other circuits. But I guess a lot of the feedback I get from drivers as to why it's such an iconic track is, I guess, the variability in terms of the things that it offers as a racetrack. Mm. So we have change in height of the circuit. We have a couple of chicanes that are quite a technical element. We've got a couple of really big overtaking zones after long straights, particularly from T4 up to T5, for example. And obviously the famous Eau Rouge. Well, you can't go without saying Eau Rouge, which has changed a lot over the years again. But it's a pretty iconic circuit. I think the other thing that makes it challenging for drivers is the weather is always unpredictable <laughs> in Spa. So, you know, there's it's not no... unpredictable this weekend. It's no. rain, rain and more rain. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's unpredictable. I feel like it always just rains there. So maybe it's very predictable rain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a challenging race circuit. It, it offers a lot of places mistakes to be made but it offers good racing i think for the fans as well as a good for the opportunities to overtake so particularly in f1 at the minute with a lot of criticism around being able to make overtakes it's a circuit that's going to punish you particularly in qualifying but also in the race enable people to make up places if something hasn't quite gone to plan so you'll often see results be quite mixed up from qualifying yeah yeah no we certainly made up a few places last year i think we started 14 15 on the grid and, and and got through to to win that in the end which was which was fantastic but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. It's it's the mixture of it's super fast. You know, these drivers can push in excess of 320 kph, but then they're into a, a challenging corner thereafter. One of the most challenging is Air Rouge, isn't it? And you know, there's been incidents there in in the past which have been very unfortunate and and, and very sad. But what makes this one of the sort of most famous corners is it? the speed that they go into and, and stuff there what, what what makes that so famous yeah so it's an interesting one it says we come off of t1 and we come around that that sharp hairpin one that's always an interesting area because it's a really easy place to to kind of get your breaking point wrong 
As we then head down through T2, you've got a nice big long straight. So the drivers are coming into this at full throttle. Some interesting difference in F1 and other race series is the ability and the downforce of the car to be able to hold that line at full speed. Okay. Uh, as they come down the hill, we get a little bit of axial loading again, which is, a, again, we spoke about on previous podcasts, the idea that as we come down into that compressive element at the bottom of the hill, before they turn right up the top of Eau Rouge and then they take the left-hand bend. So we get this real shift in G-force, which is challenging enough. Combine that with some axial loading um, and the fact of it's blind as well as we come over the crest of the hill. So there's yeah. a lot of bravery involved. The big thing, again, talking to drivers as well about why it's a challenging corner is to not unsettle the car. It does require full commitment. So not mm. only is it a blind corner, you add some, some dampness into that equation uh, and the fact that you may have another car around you any form of lifting could completely unsettle the car and put you in the wall. So it's um, it's probably what makes it such a famous corner. Um, there's yeah. lots of spectator points around it as well. So you get big crowds around that particular corner. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. You're literally all in uh, 300 kvh over a 20, 30 meter drop blind. Yeah, it's insane. Four yeah. Gs coming at you both sides. I mean, it's, yeah, you mentioned the vertical compression. So you get three Gs of vertical compression going on on our roof. So, you know, if... Uh, if the track layout's not, not going to make you blind, your head's being pushed in, in, in all different directions as well. And uh, yeah, it's it's obviously been termed relatively dangerous in, in, in some categories there. And yeah, you can certainly uh, certainly see why. Talking of elevation, so Spa in general, I think it has the highest elevation of, yeah. uh, of any F1 track. So going to be enjoying that run this uh, this weekend yeah. on the on the up and down and I can tell you it's very hard to run up El Rouge as well <laughs> and it's hard to even say I mean I, I took some photos earlier this year and, and you know trying to show friends or family and it just gives you no indication of yeah. today I mean there's a, a, lot, a lot of teams you might see on social media this weekend will do the classic they'll stand on the top of El Rouge and they'll roll a water bottle down it and it is it is really really steep even to walk up it's a tough hill uh, it's yeah. super steep yeah I know it's uh hard to run up it's actually even harder to run down it i tried to run the track the other direction last year to see if it was any easier <laughs> it wasn't because the back straight which is like a like a long decline if you're running yeah, it yeah. The, the the right way is in a, actually a really tough well, sense, yeah at least that rouge is is over when you get to the top this one just kept going and going and going but um yeah it's it's a challenging track all round um some other uh, notable corners, so uh, Puhan, yeah. um, 5.3 Gs of lateral force, that's quite high in, in, in overall load through the neck, and Coombe as well is, is tough, but for braking force, so 4.6 Gs of, of braking force through uh, through there. So yeah, just overall some, some notable notable corners. Any others that I haven't, haven't covered there? Uh, I always think turn 18 into 19 is a tough one before we come onto the home straight. Uh, mm-hmm. Not particularly, there's, a, there's a quite a steep breaking point from 17 into 18, which again is challenging. It's more so that the, the chicane there is challenging. The other one that's interesting to know, again, I was talking to a few of the drivers uh, a couple of weeks ago around is, is which doesn't get spoken about enough because it doesn't look particularly um, savage. But as you come down from turn 15, 16, 17, now if you look at that on a track map, it looks quite, quite easy, but you've got a negative camera coming off there and you've got an apex that falls away from you. So again, it can be a really challenging one. It's a common error, particularly in F1, where the cars will understeer. So it's not particularly dramatic to look at, but again, it's definitely a point where we'll see a lot of drivers make mistakes and lose a lot of time, particularly in qualifying, um, because you can come in there way too hot. But no, as a circuit, it offers lots of variation, uh, lots of different elements through the different sectors. But yeah, it's challenging all round. And I guess this is why the drivers love it so much. It's uh, 
as we started the pod off, it's a driver's track, and and you do well in in Spa. You you, you kind of know you're, you're doing okay, I guess. And yeah, so absolutely. It's a bit of a a measurement to, to the drivers itself being one of the most challenging, one of the most exciting exciting tracks. Classic as well has been on the on the um, calendar for a, for a while now, hasn't it? And, yeah, uh, and yeah. Stuff, so. and it's certainly a fan favourite, as you say. I remember when we were there yeah. maybe two years ago now. I think it was when there was a little bit of few rumours around when they'd get rid of it off the calendar and there was there was uproar yeah it, it didn't go down well at all you know someone kind of crisp I think it. they petitioned to, to save it in the end didn't they yeah. And, uh, yeah it was certainly back on the calendar for this year and, and it is for they've for signed a contract well. yeah, yeah they've so. signed a contract for a few years so it looks like it's here to stay for a while yeah it's just a just a nightmare to get out there on a Sunday <laughs> Yeah, and there's not much around Spa. It's uh, yeah, yeah it's I think that's it because it's all just single track rows out of there, and you you know a few thousand fans trying to get out at the same time and, uh, and stuff. And you know it's uh, uh, big support for us there. Obviously, Max being born in Belgium, but close to Holland as well. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of Red Bull fans around, a lot of Max fans around. So it's always enjoyable to see all of them and, and the support we get from from them. So that's uh, yeah. that's always super nice. Good. And so the forecast is pretty much rain every day i guess in a way you know spa probably isn't one of the ones that we want rain at because you want to enjoy the characteristics of the track itself but what will drivers need to do and think about in terms of adjusting to this track because of rain you know it's yeah. we're already talking about tough corners fast corners yeah. it'll take a lot out of it i guess yeah, so there's a couple of things I guess we try and sit down and go through the drivers when we come to Spa. I guess the first thing is the the visual element. Um, you know, we almost guarantee rain. We've seen some really interesting camera footage this year of showing the kind of lack of visibility the drivers have at the best of times. So let alone adding rain to that equation, a lot of our warm up and preparation work might be around uh, reducing some of the the kind of visual input that that driver has. Yeah. We're still trying to get them to perform, so we might uh, use some tools there in terms of glasses and whatnot to try and challenge that. So that might be one element we might try and do from a driver prep point of view. Physically, I generally find at this point in the season, we're in quite a good place physically and actually most drivers now coming off the back of a few races are quite race fit. Um, so generally quite well for this one. And the other thing to consider with Spa again is the mental element. I think there's definitely a component here of um, we have to consider one is errors they might make. So being mentally prepared for that. So in terms of our like psychological prep, going actually it's very likely you're going to make a mistake here at some point how do we kind of overcome that mm. particularly if the weather's in the middle people always go well, what's the often i find it's almost better if it's raining or not raining because yeah. again spa is so big so one thing we have to consider is that um at one side of the track it could be bone dry and at the other side of the track it could be wet yeah so again you might have a driver that's got loads of confidence coming into a corner off of a dry section of track and next thing you know they're spinning because they've come onto a wet section so that can be almost more problematic than a day that's just full full send rain so yeah so i guess my big things to spar generally are, are, are visual training and making sure we're kind of switched on there and i guess mentally prepared for the fact that it's a technical circuit where we're gonna make errors so actually just making sure that they are prepared for that things might go wrong this weekend and how do we you know, I think what separates the good drivers and Max being a great example of this uh, and even Sergio perhaps from Hungary we could argue is just that you know things haven't quite gone to plan how do you kind of get yourself switched back on and, and, and make the most out of the situation you're in yeah no, I think it's a very good good point there you know, uh, coping strategies or how quickly you bounce back uh, can often be the, the make or break of an entire weekend if you're put off uh, from a, a bad P1 or a bad qualifying and you let that ruin your race then uh you know you're, you're losing points when it when it matters but um yeah no, i think that's a that's a, a superb point to to think about and and 
to have a plan in place to fall back on, you know, is is good planning. That's mm. uh, fantastic. So good. So we're we're going to be in for a pretty fun weekend. Fast track, challenging track, lots of rain. Let's see what the Belgium Grand Prix brings us, and and hopefully we can continue to rack up a few more wins. And you know, we 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 have to be thinking now we can set some records that might never be broken. So yeah, it's uh, a very exciting time for for Red Bull and, and, and us in, in Formula One at the moment. And uh, we're going to keep pushing as hard as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know Daggett has some shorts out despite a waterproof jacket. Ah, of course. <laughs> but this is it. So Mr. Dry. <laughs> wearing shorts keeps me more comfortable and and drier, essentially, in the rain. Because all the boys, they're in trousers. The trousers are soaking wet and sticking to them. Yeah. Shorts don't do that. No. <laughs> That's it. Yes, Panic I wear a raincoat just because uh, the T-shirt might get a little bit stuck to me, but um, <laughs> I'm still rocking the shorts. Yeah. I'll One time you. you'll see me in shorts and that'll be a team photo at the, at the <laughs> end of the year. <laughs> Love that. And the, and the weirdest thing is, so we have to wear trousers for the team photo at the end of the year in Abu Dhabi. So, you know, I never take trousers to Abu Dhabi and I forget that there's going to be a team photo. So for the last two years, the time when I'm supposed to have trousers, I've had to wear someone else's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll try and remember them this year. <laughs> cool. So we had in summer break after after the Belgium Grand Prix. A couple of weeks off for, for us straight away after after getting back from Belgium, and then we'll be back in in Monaco having a mini mini training camp before the second half of the season. Getting ready for that, doing some warm weather training, and and you know just making sure we're ready to hit the ground running when we get to get to Zanforks. Uh, for Matt, it might be nice, you know, just to give a few little tips and, and, and tricks for everybody else listening to this who might be heading off on their holidays. It's what, a couple of days into school holidays now. How do people, you know, continue to stay fit, continue to eat well, continue to just maintain their kind of healthy lifestyle over the summer break? Or is it important actually that they take a little bit of, mm. bit of time off as well? Yeah. I think it's finding a balance, isn't it? I think anyone we see, particularly through the app and whatnot, around trying to prepare for a period of summer break or you know, kids on holiday or whatever it means, I think is planning still key. I think our planning needs to be flexible. So I generally try and break this into sections. So I think when it comes to kind of the, the, the physical elements, it might be a really good opportunity for us to have a little more time on our hands and therefore to make the most of a small trading block. Mm. I think there's definitely some value in that. Um, that being said, it comes to that word of caution of going, look, just because we've got all this time, it's very easy for us to also overload and start training like a pro and you know, mm. every single day and, and, and overload it. So I think just having maybe a, a block where we can train a little bit more with a bit more intensity or with a little bit more volume, I think can be really, really useful. That being said, I think it's also really good to have a period where we get some time to have some downtime and relax and you know whether we set some boundaries on a week or whatever it might be to actually enjoy some downtime, I think is really important. I think when it comes to eating, I think, again, try and keep structure. I always try and say to any client is that actually I think the structure is going to be what's going to keep us going through. I don't think we need to go on some crazy binge. But that being said, you know, the old-fashioned 80-20 rule probably works quite well for a period like this. Of saying actually, you know, a bit more free time might be you might have a few more opportunities to catch up with friends or, or you know, meet family or whatever. So, you know, enjoy those moments. You don't have to, you know, be completely strict and, and back off. But just everything with a bit of um, with a pinch of salt, you know, we can do it in moderation and whatnot. But I think, you know, eat that burger or you know have that beer mm-hmm. but at the same time everything in moderation don't lose all the gains that we've made so typically yeah break things in sections eat most of the time pretty well where you can 
I think physically, if there's an area we want to push a little bit harder, but I think we can base that on what that previous block looks like. If, you, if you've been pretty intent on the training prior to the holiday, it might be actually you're, you're better having some time off and resting. But actually, if we know we've perhaps not had a, a great block of training, you know, before summer break, then actually it might be a good opportunity to make the most of it if you're if you're kind of planning your uh, your kind of exercise. But that'd be my key goals. And I think every case is different. I think it's you know a whole host of things. I have some individuals that you know coming into this summer holiday period have been super chilled and actually we can turn up the intensity a little bit on those individuals whereas the other side of the fence is some people coming into there they're desperate for a break they're exhausted naturally it's just best for us to have a conversation where we go look actually the best thing for you in this period is to just enjoy that period and we'll pick things back up in a couple of weeks time yeah and i think that's important at the end of the day the the, the client the patient athlete needs to have a bit of choice in it as well and they you know what do you want to do on your holiday do you want to exercise do you want to work out or are you you know, you're ready for just a, a chill or, or whatever. Because again, a lot of people we work with as well, they're combining work and training. You know, they might be in an office all day, then they're smashing out some training, then they're home to the kids, and they might just need a bit of a, a bit of rest. And I, I think that'd be the first problem for me. You know, taking a break isn't a bad thing. You're not going to lose all your gains that you made in a in a two week holiday. Again, if you do things in moderation, but it's not necessary to you know always smash a full out training program you think of the context of sport every sport has an off season and this can be like a mini off season kind of break for you or a summer break like we do in in, in motorsport where you know you get a bit of downtime and, and and you rest up a little bit now that's not saying we're do anything it's important to, to move and it might be that you, you use different ways of exercise you know you can go to a local area by going for a walk or, or a run you know and you know make that walk into a bit more of a vigorous hike and all of a sudden you might be getting some nice zone two sort of uh, sort of workout there you can do things like paddle boarding or swimming or you know these other things that create some movement create some exercise that allow you just to almost minimally dose effect whilst you're whilst you're on holiday or if the hotel's got a gym and you can dive into there and, and so on and so forth i think maybe slightly different if we're on an injury rehab program and again it's not that we need to fully keep smashing the program it might be that we agree to have a break and some downtime but then we really do need to think of how we minimally dose to to not take a step back into that and maybe we grab one two three exercises which can be done body weight or with bands that we can do 10-15 minutes of every day or every other day just to keep that keep that going but yeah you also make a great point that if people then decide actually i've got loads of time when i'm on holiday i'm going to do a couple of hours of training every day we can really focus on some nice specific work and, and, and get some get some good stuff done. And then, yeah, I think with diet and nutrition and hydration, you know, offset the alcohol by drinking plenty of water. Make sure you pack some tubes of electrolytes because you're going to be probably in the heat, probably having a few more drinks. Um, so that will help with, you know, preventing dehydration and then everything in moderation. I think, you know, you can have an ice cream, but you have to have two or three ice creams. Uh, hotel breakfasts are, 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 are one. You know, you have a breakfast, but do you have to have cooked breakfast every day? Or um, do you have to have cooked breakfast followed by fruit, followed by pastry, followed by, <laughs> you know, exactly two or three orange juices and, uh, and stuff there. And I'm sure we're all guilty of that on, on day one. But, you know, one day you might just have some eggs on toast or avocado on toast or a bowl of cereal and it's it's all about that kind of portion control as you as you move your way through um through through the holiday so as you don't undo all the good work 
Exactly that. Yeah, and it's tough, I think, and that's the thing, isn't it? I think ultimately when we sit down and go through these chats with a lot of our clients and kind of sit down and decide what the best plan is, I guess it's all about looking at what, what the ultimate goal is, what the longer-term goal is, and there's always flexibility in different ways of getting from A to B. It's just making sure that we're making progressive steps or not taking a huge step back into that sun break and that it has some value and whether that's just it's a mental refresh which can actually massively help the next stage or whether actually we are trying to make some gains in that period there's no right or wrong it's all a, a, bit, I guess a bit of an individual recipe depending on the client and the individual and yeah. what works around your own schedule yeah what they want to do whether that's specific targeted or they're just playing a bit of beach football beach volleyball to, to stay active and, and not lose it all and and don't eat all the breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's important, I think, you say about the changing of sport. I had this conversation with someone earlier in the week about the idea of actually sometimes it's just really refreshing mentally to just do something different. Now, if we've mm. had a big block of gym work and actually, you know, you can do some beach volleyball, you can play some water polo, or you can do a hike because you've got some time, you know, physically, you're right, my purse under a similar or, or you know, uh, similar load, but actually mentally it's just super refreshing to be doing something different and actually you feel super refreshed and you can kind of you know then train with a little bit more intensity when we come back we actually get a better gain on the other side of it so yeah, yeah there's some huge values to switching things up or doing something a bit different in that in that holiday break yeah no for sure i think it's worth uh, you just mentioned there coming back as well just to mention a few points on that if if you are taking a you know a decent break and and, and some time away from the choice of exercise that you have normally and I'll use running as a good example for that coming off the back of a two-week holiday you're not going to be in the same place that you were two weeks prior so if you were doing a, a 60 kilometer week or a 40 kilometer week on on uh, for running you're not going to be able to week one back after a holiday come back and do that or you know if you run a 20 minute 5k you're not going to be able to straight away run a 20 minute 5k straight after your holiday and you know it's very common for people to pick up things like knee pain, femoral pain, post-holiday because they think they're still in the same place as they were before. So having a gradual build back after a, after a holiday off uh, um, is uh, super important as well. Mm. You're right, it's interesting. So we had a, I had a patient just today, funnily enough, we had exactly <laughs> that where it's something like a bit of a pre-programmed thing. Sometimes we, we all sometimes are a bit guilty of, of going, you know, oh, I can knock out 10K or I can knock out this. <laughs> we actually look at what that person or individual has done over a period of time and it might be minimal. They've not gone anywhere near that in a while, but they have this pre-programmed routine and they've got this base level of 10K or 15K or 20K <laughs> under their belt and they end up, you're right, picking up a little uh, nickel here and there. So yeah, definitely something to watch. Yeah, yeah. Come back nice and slowly, increase nice and slowly week on week, you know, that magic 10, 15%. And uh, you'll uh, stay off the treatment table and, and we won't have to schedule rehab exercises on the app. We could actually schedule training exercises and, and, and working on the performance as opposed to getting you back from, uh, from injury. So, but, um, but we're here for both. So that's another important thing to mention. If you are injured or you're looking for any help with your training over the summer holidays and into the future, www.eliteformulapt.com com or reach out on Instagram or any other social media that we decide to post on. I think we can wrap it up there, Matt. We uh, well, we need to get. Well, I'm off to Belgium. You're in Nuremberg. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, fly tomorrow morning. Yeah, so not not far away at all. Forty minutes or so on the road. And and rain as well. And rain as well.
as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back in my rain jacket. So you enjoy Germany, I'm going to enjoy Belgium, and we, well, no doubt we'll grab a quick pod uh, next week to recap on, on the weekends, then we'll maybe have a couple of weeks after summer break hits and get back to it from, from there. But as always, thank you all for listening. Please do like, subscribe, and um, drop us any messages of stuff you want to hear on the podcast, and we will see you next week. Lovely. Thanks for listening, guys. You have been listening to the Elite Formula PT podcast with Bradley Skeins and Matthew Murray-Downing. You can follow us on socials at Elite Formula PT or sign up on the app at EliteFormulaPT.com. Please follow, subscribe, and if you enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Be sure to tune in for the next episode and thank you for listening.